Welcome to Alex's Asylum with ideas so crazy they might set you free. Today is our very first episode and I have a very special guest joining me, Dylan Madden. Dylan, welcome to Alex's Asylum. Yeah, thank you, brother. It's awesome to be your first guest. It's an honor. <laughs> yeah, well, we've had amazing chats, you know, over the last yes, uh, several quarters about uh, growing business, um, you know, making it through struggles, figuring out ways to uh, reorient ideas um, into digestible bites uh, that actually allow for action. But, um, you know, some people might follow you on Twitter, might follow you on Instagram. They see that you're doing well or you appear to be doing well on, on the outside. Right. Um, they right. probably compress the steps that they think you took to get there. Maybe they thought you got lucky. Maybe they don't think that they can do what you've done. Mm -hmm. um, so for our audience, assuming they don't know you, uh, you know, yeah. it would be great to give an introduction. Who's Dylan Madden? How did he get here? Has he mm -hmm. struggled ever? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could literally sit there, sit here and talk for like the next 40 minutes telling everything, and I'll, but I'll summarize it. Essentially... Growing up, I, I lived with my mom. She was like, I was around eight years old and I got, thank, I'm really grateful for this, got to experience poverty. Like I got to see, and I didn't realize this until years later, but I was like, ah, that makes sense. She would like go through the refrigerator, go through the kitchen, trying to find food and she would go without eating. And then fast forward to whenever I was eight, got to live with my dad, which was, it was like middle class and then a little bit later, upper middle class. So I got to experience what it was like to make money. But then Years later, he, out of loyalty to a company, decided to turn down becoming the head of a big Boeing warehouse that they opened in Charleston, South Carolina. And so like, literally a month, two months later, the company that he was loyal to sold out. And the, the owner, which my dad had helped build the company up from the ground, walked out like a bandit, like millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And my dad had to like basically find a new job because they came in, they cut the entire management team, everything. And my dad lost this big time bonus he would have gotten from it. And that was an, one of my many wake up now moments where I was just like, wait a second. My dad was like basically a, a God in the corporate world. And he just got cut because they sold the company. So that further made me go down the rabbit hole of like being confused. Cause I was also that kind of a weird kid, like growing up where I never really fit in. I never felt like I fit in with other people. I couldn't read till I was like in second grade. Funny, I get paid to write now. But anyways, uh, so it's like I was always kind of on the outside a little bit and I was trying to find my way. And that experience then going to college, I think I went to like six months of college of that. Basically, I thought that was going to be like, tell me everything I needed to do with my life. And I asked a small business entrepreneurship and marketing teacher, uh, the same professor. I was like, so whatever his name is, what like what businesses have you had? I thought that would give me a sense of direction. And to make a long story short, never had had a business in his life. And I closed the book, put it in my book bag, walked out and basically spent the rest of that college semester or whatever the proper term is, just smoking weed and wasting time and not really doing anything with my life. And then my parents found out that I hadn't been going to college at all. And I was, I think I was making like seven twenty-five an hour at the time working as a bagger. Uh, it was, it was, a dark period of my life, I'll say. And to make a long story short, also met a, a mentor, Frank Coin, which I, I don't know what he's doing now. Hopefully he's still alive because uh, he was in his 70s, I think, back in these days. Real estate mogul, doing a bunch of different things. And he just randomly took me under his wing uh, for a very short amount of time. But it just got my mind thinking. 
And I, I tried a bunch of different things. I've tried drop shipping. I've tried writing blog posts. I've tried a bunch of different hustles. I've done it all. And the key recurring theme was I would see this new shiny object and I would latch onto it and try to do it. And I would, some of them, not all of them, some of them, I would see a little bit of success, but then I'd get bored with it and be like, oh, maybe this isn't for me. I'll jump onto the next thing, jump onto the next thing. And then fast forward to 2019, by this point, I was getting paid to write blog posts. And so I'll do it for like supplement companies. Gorilla Mind is one of them. Uh, I won't name drop some of the bloggers. One of them, he's no longer around, but he used to have a big time blog. And I would write blog posts for these guys. But my issue with that was my, I was one of those artists. I wanted to be the creative type. I didn't like getting paid to write articles and I, I, I just didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. And I bounced around trying a bunch of different things within the freelancing space. Uh, and we can talk about this later. That's why like, I, we can talk about how to pick your skill for anybody that's watching this. And I guess you could call it luck. By luck, I ended up meeting some of the right people in 2019, which led to me meeting up with Andrew Tate, Tristan Tate, and that opened a whole different universe. And I ended up falling into email copywriting and then ended up being kind of good at it, took that on. And that's basically been my bread and butter since 2019. So essentially I was that guy that didn't really know what he wanted to do in life. Didn't really believe in himself. Didn't really, I don't know. I, I didn't really have a skill outside of, I was just genuinely interested in helping other people. And then I would work, work my butt off. I don't know if I can cuss, but work my butt off uh, to get results for whoever it was that gave me the time of day. And that ended up turning into a blessing, which has led to everything that if you do follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you see me doing now, uh, just, I guess, being, having that determination to keep showing up, showing up, showing up. When you fell, you felt, maybe you feel like a late bloomer. I felt like a late bloomer for most of my life as well. Like I, I always look at other people, but man, they're so much farther ahead of me. Like what's wrong with me? But that would annoy me. So I'd keep going and pushing and pushing. And I mean, yeah, that's basically what's led me to the, Sitting, being your first guest is just that determination. And we can get into the specifics later, but I don't want to rant for the next hour. <laughs> no, that's great, Dylan. And yeah. uh, I think that's one thing that every person who we find interesting, who our audience is going to find interesting, has in common is nobody succeeds overnight. Um, nobody really even succeeds within six months, 12 months, 18 months. Right. Um, usually success whatever success that people are experiencing today is most likely their third or fifth or seventh attempt at being successful. And the only way that you try five, six, seven times is if you believe that something greater is in your future than what you're presently yeah. doing. And, you know, you mentioned multiple times getting lucky. Um, but I know you, I don't think you got lucky. I think that a lot of people in your shoes, um, would have made decisions that you didn't make and uh, would have not been as lucky as you. So when you find a mentor, you know, mentors don't just mentor young kids randomly. They have to see things in you, um, you know, figuring out how to network with the right people is a, re a reflection of your intelligence because you can network with literally anybody in the world. So why would you choose the people that you're networking with to network with? Um, when did you realize you were smart? Well, that's the funny thing. It wasn't honestly, and this might come as a shock. It wasn't really until this year or the, maybe last year, I, I kind of started waking up to it where I actually was like, you know what? I am actually quite intelligent for, I spent most of my life feeling like I was like 
dumb, basically. Like, I, example, I couldn't read until I was like in second grade. My Whenever I was in second grade, they also put me into a learning disabled class part of the day. So like I would be in regular people classes, but I would have somebody and this freaked me out. I didn't once I like moved out of the house, my stepmom just she was giving me all my stuff. And one of the things she gave me was this notebook and it was or a, a file on me. It literally said just Dylan Madden. I opened it up and it was like he's anxiously looking around the class. He's grabbed his pen. He seems to struggle when he's trying. And I was just like. What? And it followed me from second grade to fourth grade. And so basically I, I had some like a, a, a person sitting in the class monitoring every single thing I was doing. And so to be honest, for most of my life, I felt like I like I could tell there were certain things where I was my mind's just way faster than a lot of people. But I never necessarily felt intelligent, if that makes sense. And it wasn't until really this year, maybe the middle of last year that I, I was like, I think I am actually intelligent. I, I I just accepted that. So maybe that was a something from childhood. I don't know. I'd be open to like diving into that. But it, yeah, it's really this year I could say where I'm like, you know what, Dylan, you actually are intelligent. Maybe that's a negative victim mentality. I don't know. But no, I, I mean, yeah. my, my life followed a very similar trajectory. Um, huh? And one thing I wonder is, were you good at math at the very least when you were younger? See, that was the thing. I was really bad at math and I ended up being really good at English much later. So yeah, I was terrible at math. Like you don't, don't embarrass me on the podcast. Don't ask me any like math equations. Uh, let me grab my phone. <laughs> That's very, very interesting because you're um, one of a small number of people whom I've met who is capable of very effective structured thinking. You're very good at putting uh plan together from start to finish. Usually people who are good at putting plans together start to finish um, are able to do so because they have concrete reasoning skills. And most people who have concrete reasoning skills can you know, like think very fluidly with numbers. Um, yeah. Some, uh, for whatever reason, can't. I, and I can't figure out why that is. I can't figure out why you're able to do the things you're able to do without um, that foundation in, uh, in numeracy and it's okay. Um, yeah. you know, for some of the, the viewing audience, you know, similar to Dylan, I didn't realize that you know, people at this point, you know, will tell me on a monthly basis, you're the smartest person I've ever met or genius is the best yeah. thing, other thing, um, to where, you know, I always appreciate it, but it doesn't like change my own perception of myself. Uh, I never considered myself to be, uh, a good, uh, like smart because I always considered myself to be an athlete, right? I always wanted to be a good baseball player first and I'll be like as good of a student as I can be, but my primary goal is to be a major yeah. baseball player. So that's what I want to focus on. And so, you know, going through high school, I would take, you know, advanced classes, calculus classes, but other people would do better than me in these classes. Mm -hmm. And when I got to Vanderbilt, you know, I would take, I was an economics major, but other people would, um, you know, get better grades than me and they could just do certain things faster than me. I could do certain things faster than them, but they could right. do certain things faster than me. And it wasn't until I started working where I'm like, oh, a hedge fund manager thinks I'm smart. That's cool. Oh, the people at Google think I'm smart. That's cool. Oh, actually, I'm like way smarter than a lot of the people at Google. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Oh, OK. And then you find out that a combination of like continued applied effort and, um, you know, thinking through plans start to finish and executing them forces you to, I would say, enhance 
the skills that actually pay you money compared to the skills that they teach you in school, right. which tend to not make you money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's actually a really good point. Maybe because I've always had that intelligence like inherently or whatever, ever since I can remember, but it was the things that I was trying to apply that intelligence to. I was just like, what's the point of this? Uh, so you could argue now that I'm like doing the, the business stuff and working with clients uh, content creation, all, all those little bitty things. I'm like, now I've actually got something that I could apply my intelligence to that I enjoy and makes money and it gets results. So that, that's actually a really interesting point. Maybe it, I've unlocked my mind <laughs> by just focusing on my mission. <laughs> well, I think that's actually a really important uh, point yeah. that you've made that you've maybe stumbled across and didn't realize is I've, mm. for the last, well, okay, so when I was an elite baseball player, I started realizing that the people who are uh, extreme performers tend to actually not be good at a lot of things. But because they're not good at certain things, it's sort of like blind people can hear better, deaf people can see better. Like your body yeah. ends up um, developing super strengths to accommodate your weaknesses and sometimes to accommodate your super weaknesses. And if you do have base level of, uh, of intelligence as well as a strong will to continue to succeed, mm -hmm. your weaknesses could end up forcing you to develop superpowers that make you untouchable in the business world. Have you thought about that? Not until just now, honestly. That's, huh. I mean, that does explain a lot. I mean, his example put me into the regular, and I'm not for all the people that are like working a day job and you enjoy it, perfectly like awesome. I, I wish the best for you, but like in the nine to five world, I you would probably think and I won't use certain keywords since this will go on YouTube, but like is that is that guy like okay? Like he's it's a pretty simple task. Why is he struggling to do that? But then ask me to put together an email sequence and a marketing plan on how we're gonna launch this new product. And I'll, I'll just destroy anybody that tries to get in my way. And I'll just put it together, we'll execute it. So, huh, man, that, that's got me. We need to talk about this on the podcast, but also off the podcast. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, yeah. we, we, I know this with, with me. I know this from the time that we've spent together. You know, some of the things that that make us great are our weaknesses. So, you know, yeah. I'm really good at, I'm, I'm actually really good at numbers. And so what that meant at a young age is I actually wasn't that good at reading people because I was so good at numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it works in reverse too, where right. if you have a super skill, you, you may actually have super weaknesses that never get fully developed because you have that super skill. Um, yeah. But what's interesting to me, Dylan, about how you think, and you know, I hope it's obvious to the audience at this point is you are able to see things holistically. You, you have a, high level overview of what the hell's going on. And because you have a high level overview of what the hell's going on, you can create plans of attack and execute on that. Unfortunately, our education system doesn't really evaluate students on their ability to get a holistic understanding of what's going on. They test you on, you know, saying what is photosynthesis? What is, uh, you know, the molecular structure of uh, salt? What, you know, what is the um, uh, boiling point of uh you know hydrogen gas or the liquefaction point of hydrogen gas or hydrogen it's like okay so you can be the best student knowing all these things you know what what date was the gettysburg address what you know who uh who led 
the British army, you know, during the revolutionary war, stuff like this, this is yeah. what school tests you on, but that doesn't pay you money in real life. You know, paying money in real life requires that you connect patterns and very often the people who can connect these patterns at young ages um, are seen as weird by their peers because none of their peers can connect the patterns. So your thoughts oh. may be incredibly advanced for somebody at a young age, but because you can see things that other people can't see, they can't actually mm -hmm. differentiate between genius and insanity. Hence the name yeah. Alex's Asylum for the podcast. <laughs> I love that. Wow. Man, this got me thinking like through so many different experiences that I've had. I mean, and for anybody that's listening to this, uh, like we're on like the same, a similar wavelength. So maybe they were brought to this podcast to like understand this. Like if you if you're watching this, you feel like, oh man, I I don't really vibe with the, like the regular nine to five job. Or if you're in school, you're like, oh man, this actually is making a lot of sense. Maybe you're a little bit higher intelligence. You just haven't quite found your thing to apply it to. Uh, which is why like, I push so many people to building skill skills and just a skill set that they can apply their mind to, number one, but then two, that they can use to actually make money. Like for me, all the way back to middle school, that was when I got into like eBay stuff and got into like a Craigslist, although Craigslist back then was a little creepy. Uh, maybe it's still Not creepy now. I assume it's always been creepy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that was the only thing in school that gave me any sense of, for lack of better words, like peace. Like I was like, I, this is actually fun. I can apply my mind. I also get money, uh, which I mean, fast forward many, many years to like, I think I graduated. Yeah, I graduated in 2013. Like that was, I basically just gave my life to not ambition, not money, but just business and really just organi organizing things and bringing it into reality has always been like something I'm obsessed with, whether it's managing an event, setting up an event, launching the event, or like, I love the like, inner, like just talking to other people and okay, this guy's going to go up now, like anything. It doesn't have to just be making money, literally any type of organizational thing, whether it's a business, whether it's the event, whether it's putting together, which I don't like putting together the sales page itself, but like envisioning where it's going to go. Uh, that's something that really turns my mind on. Uh, it gives me right. something I can, yeah, really attack with my mind. And I, oh, I love seeing the finished product. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, because I spent a lot of time in corporate America, I think, uh, mm -hmm. you know, compared to the people that I'll have, you know, on the podcast and, and a lot of the people in our Twitter community, um, right. you know, who are making Wi Fi money, I spent more time in corporate America than I think almost all mm -hmm. of them. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, as a to brag, certainly it's just, you know, a, an objective fact. I spent, right. you know, about 10 years working corporate jobs. And one thing that I'll say about working corporate jobs, if you think like Dylan, if you think like me, you like to do things holistically, you like to see things from start to finish. Mm -hmm. At no point in, in your 10 years, you know, unless you're at a company that's like smaller than 50, smaller than 100, you're almost certainly not going to see any any projects from start to finish maybe you will maybe you will if you have a very particular role and you're performing incredibly well after like several years that you'll be given the reins to see something start to finish but your first several years you almost certainly won't be because it's too much yeah. risk for the company to trust any one individual who's 25 years old to see something from start to finish and so you end up um, performing tasks that are very uh, compartmentalized segment segmented and what that ends up 
um, doing to people is they feel a loss of connectivity with their work. They don't see like, why, why am I doing this right with you, with me, you know, I'm sure like me on a, you know, monthly basis, if not more frequently, you're getting DMS from people. Dude, you completely changed my life. I thank you oh, so yeah. much for providing this. And you may not realize this, but nobody gets this in corporate jobs at all ever. Right. You know, I worked for Google for six years. And I like the people I work with, and, and for the most part, I liked what I was working on for you know, a majority of my time. I was certainly didn't like a lot of it, but a lot of the things I did like working on. Not yeah. one time did anybody ever tell me, dude, thank you so much for working on this product. This product changed my life. And even though it's Google search, Google search actually does change people's lives yeah. you know, in terms of giving them access to information, but but you're, you're just a, a cog in the machine. And so yeah. you you never get that emotional reward from working. And so because you don't get that emotional reward from working, you don't really get a dopamine hit from the effort that you put in. It ends up just being hard. It's really hard. Maybe after a year, two, three years, I get promoted mm -hmm. and nobody, you know, my boss says I did a good job, but like none of my customers do. And yeah. so what ends up happening if you, if you stay along that path too long is your brain becomes very efficient at just figuring out how to put in less effort. And that's one of the most down, uh, dangerous things that I think happens when people stay in corporate America too long is their brain doesn't optimize for how can I, how can I mastermind an amazing plan and put it into action because yeah. you can't do it. Your brain tends to optimize for how do I not work hard because I'm not going to get rewarded for this anyway. So your brain actually atrophies. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of people on, in our space and Twitter will say, you know, physic uh, mentality is physicality, physicality is mentality. You know, you can be mentally obese. Um, you know, you, you, people have lazy thoughts that they succumb to. And this is very much true. And a lot of times our environment is what causes us to, uh, you know, fight, flight, sink, swim. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like, example, rewind back to my favorite job that I had. It was whenever I was a manager. I was like some 19, 20-year-old kid, and I was in charge of guys. And they're like, it was only, what, like, I had the two mechanics, and then I had the people up front. But people that were like in their 40s, 50s, and they could not stand me in the beginning. They ended up liking me later. And I finally found a job that I like actually challenged me. So, like, I would have to manage a small engine department. I'd also have to manage the front end, which was like the direct, like selling appliances, selling hard, like hardware related things. And then I would also on my end have to sell like big tractors and other line equipment. And then I also had to maintain the like call customers and fulfill orders and do all that. And I loved it. And then uh, the owner of the company hit one of his kids. They had to start a charity for the kid. And I was like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was like, I can help raise money for that. So I started a Facebook page, raised tens of thousands of dollars through the Facebook page. And I created a program there at the store that people could donate and they would get a, like a little bonus, blah, 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 blah. It worked very well. And then because of all the stuff that was going on, because whenever I got into that company and it was small, it was like a small business. It wasn't some big corporate thing like you. So it's much smaller level. Uh, but like, I basically, whenever I went in, it was, Super disorganized. People hated the small engine department, hated the hardware side, super disorganized. And I came in and I, I helped create a system around that. People, customers started getting like getting their orders. They started coming in. They would specifically request me. Uh, and this guy, I won't name drop him, but anyways, he basically told me, like, hey, uh, 
if you could stay with this company for the next like three years, I want to open up another store in a, a place called Mount Pleasant and I'll, I'll be there, but I want you to take over this store and you'll become an actual partner of the store. So you'll be like what I am. And I was oh my God, that's amazing. And this was, I think I was making like, what was it? $10 an hour. Cause I remember that was my first, like, Oh my gosh, I'm making so much money from a job making $10 an hour. And I worked out, I was like, okay, if he can pay me $12 an hour and I work this amount of hours, then, okay, my car payment's taken care of, my rent's taken care of, this is taken care of, and then I can actually save this amount of money, and then I can put locate this money into building up these niche websites, and then I'll have money for ad rep. It was just, I had the whole plan worked out. And sat down with him and told him, here is how much I, or here's what I want to add, like, add to the, what I'm already doing. Here's what I am doing. And I just want an extra $2 an hour, make it $12 an hour. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Like the plan is amazing. It made sense to me. And basically he turned me down and he was like, it's not because you're not valuable, Dylan. It's just because there's a lot of uh, extra costs that go into the business. And I was like, yeah, I, I totally understand that. That's why I'm going to do this, which is going to increase sales, which I've already increased sales uh, on the, the lawn care side, but I can do this. And it's also going to increase sales. And if it doesn't, then sure, bump me back down. He's like, ah, oh, Dylan, I'm sorry. Let me think about it. And so I thought I could be ballsy. And I was like, well, and I'll, I'll name drop him. His name, I'll just say Chuck. That was his, his nickname, Chuck. I was like, well, Chuck, if, if we can't do at least $12 an hour, an extra $2 an hour, and I'm already adding this, this, and this, and I'm going to additionally do this, then I'm going to have to put my two weeks notice in. I can't work here because there's no future. And he was like, oh, Dylan, don't be like that. And he tried to go back and forth with me. And the next day came in, went back to his office. I was like, hey, Chuck, how's it going? And he was like, oh, it's going well, Dylan. Yeah, so I was thinking about what, what you said yesterday. And I was like, oh, okay, finally, I'm going to get it. So yeah, I, I really can't do it right now, Dylan. If you give me a, at least a year, maybe by the end of this year, but at least a year from now, let's revisit it and we'll see what we can do. I was like, oh, man, I told him I, could, I was going to put my two weeks notice. I was like, okay, well, got to put my two weeks notice in. And that like led me to a bunch of different, a bunch of different, like three or four different jobs, and every single job I ever went to, I would start finding like ideas on how we can improve everything, and I always, every single time, felt that it didn't get like I couldn't. It was limited, basically. Like here's what we do: don't go outside of this box, and that annoyed me so much. Like I could literally tell you job after job after job where that happened. Which led me to 2016. I finally walked away from like the regular nine to five job because uh, I, I basically did mushrooms. <laughs> this is the first time I think I've said this actually publicly on a podcast. I, I took mushrooms because uh, it was a, a weird point in my life. Took mushrooms with a good, good friend of mine. And I zoomed out of my life. And I'm not this for entertainment purposes only. I'm not saying to go out and try this. I happen to do it in this entertaining world. So disclaimer, but zoomed out of my body and I saw my life as it was at that time. And it was so terrible. Like I could see myself going through the monotony of the nine to five rushing down to the, it was called cookout at some like super, super disgusting fast food that I enjoyed a lot back then. I would never eat it now, but just consume that it's super cheap. You could get like a chicken wrap for like a dollar 50 or something because I was broke. So I would, I would rush down there, have my, what was it, a 30-minute lunch break. I would get there. It would take me about 
10 minutes total, get there, come back, listen to a podcast like Mike Cernovich podcast. I used to listen to that all the time back in those days. And I think it was, yeah, the Cernovich podcast, I think was what it was called. But anyways, listen to that. And I saw that. I saw the relationship I was in. I saw my fitness at the time. I saw everything. And it was literally like a living hell. And then I got brought back into this other realm where I got to see what was possible if I just quit my job and I went along the path that I, I knew I needed to go down or whatever. And I was like, oh. And then I came back to reality and I, I was like, oh my God, I think I'm dying because I was having to like force myself to breathe. And my friend like threw himself on me. And I came back and I was like, oh my God, I wasn't actually awake. I was in my mind still. And that at this point, I was actually awake. And to make a long story short, quit my job, broke up with the girls with at the time. And that is what really it was impulsive. It I anybody's watching this, I don't, I'm not gonna tell you if you're struggling financially now, don't go quit your job like I did. But I mitigated the risk. I was like, worst case, I'll end up on a friend's couch. And I can, I know that I can find some side hustle to make some money if I really need it. So that's why I ended up quitting my job. And I had also driven for Uber one time, one time, and I made $75 in three hours. I was like, that's way more than what I'm making at this other BS job that I'm working, whatever. Worst case, I'll do that. And that ended up not working out because Charleston, I don't know if they still do it now, but they made it almost impossible to make any good money as an Uber driver because of taxis and all that. So that didn't work out. But the point that I'm getting at is I realized that that lifestyle was not for me, which led me to I was willing to work for like work jobs that nobody would want to work. Like they're all oh, that's below me. I was literally for a year and a half, whatever, like cleaning trash, cleaning, like cleaning parking lots, cleaning. Uh, just I could tell you so many nasty stories of me early in the morning, like three, four in the morning, picking up a trash bag that had been out over the weekend and it breaks goes down into a bunch of rotten milk and it just gets thrown all over me. And like the story of me getting that job's really interesting. We can go into it if you want, but basically I was so unhappy with the nine to five, like the monotony of that and not being appreciated for the ideas that I could bring to the table. And I hated, I can't stand being limited. I can't, Oh, cannot stand it. That I was willing to work as what would you call it? A cleaner. If you want to call it that. And I ended up during that period, 2016, getting the opportunity to work with Victor Pride. He's no longer like on the internet anymore, but that made everything. And we can, I really want to lean into this. It made it real, like this crazy idea or all the crazy ideas that I wanted to implement into reality. It finally became real because I saw this guy launch a, a, a book that he had just dropped, made a ton of money. He was running this publishing company that owns several different blogs. They were launching books, which leads me to like, if you're watching this, like look at Alex, look at myself, look at other people on Twitter, YouTube, and be like, if they're doing it, if they're living this life that I want, like example, the fitness stuff, whenever I look at Alex, I'm like, I like, I don't want to be 24 seven ripped like you are. Maybe that's me coping, but I see you and I'm like, he is like nonstop in great shape. He eats the best food ever. You've cooked food for me. It was amazing. I was like, there's no way this is healthy, but it is. I mean, look at yourself. You're the physical manifestation of that. And I was like, if if he can be in great shape and eat that type of food, I can too. Or if you see me and I'm traveling the world and my mom's retired, like obviously I'm doing something right. When you see that, don't be like, oh man, they, they're, they're lucky. Alex is lucky. He's got good genetics. Or Dylan, he just got lucky. 
maybe he's really intelligent and skilled. I admit that's not me. It's not true. If we can do it, you can too. And you have to normalize that reality. And once you start normalizing it, it becomes real. So find any type of way that you can get around people like him and I and other people that you follow on social media, whether they go to do meetups or if you're just consuming their content or if you get into one of their products or whatever, just absorb that reality as much as possible. And this specifically the reality you want. Don't just get on Twitter and be like, oh, okay, just start mindlessly scrolling. I'm not saying to do that, but you need to basically expose yourself to as many of these things as possible to make your mind believe that it's real. As an example, something I still struggle with is believing that it's real for me to look like Alex. I, even though I've seen my old version versus me now, I, even in my mind, don't fully believe that I can look like that. So even I'm working on it. I'm not perfect by any means. And, and, I, and I'm the same way. You know, I look at because my business is doing very well by normal American standards. But like, you know, I see other people um, in my space who are offering what I think what I consider to be inferior products and services right. or at the very least comparable products and services. But they're doing it with paid ads and they're making 20, 30 times what I'm making. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I should do next year. I, I should dabble into paid ads because, yeah, I could get 20 percent, 30 percent better kind of grown organically. But mm -hmm. I have cash. Why don't I just invest? Why can't I do the thing that those people are doing? Exactly. And I think that that's one of the commonalities between uh, all successful people is they don't deify the people who are doing what they want to be doing with life. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, for whatever reason, a, a lot of people will look up to people who are living lives that they want to live and, and they'll make an excuse for why they can't do it. And actually, I have a good reason. Uh, today, on this recording day, I have a, a viral tweet going where it was a Telegraph article talking about uh, some, some woman was talking about how uh, Adele's weight change makes her uncomfortable. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I screenshot that and I, yeah. I tweeted because, uh, because you realize that your condition uh, you know, it isn't permanent or because you realize that there's something you can do about your condition. And right. I really think that a lot of times, so realize that your brain lies to you. I think number one, mm -hmm. uh, effective entrepreneurs and effective high performers realize that their brains lie to them. Number one, number two, they figure out how to lie to themselves to get more productivity out of themselves. But your brain lies to you and it protects you from uh, emotional distress. And so one way your brain will protect you from emotional distress is by convincing you that the extreme success that you see is for some reason not applicable to you because it, it protects you from trying. And if you don't try, you can't fail. And if you can't fail, then you're not going to feel bad about yourself. And so a lot of times people will tell themselves stories that simply prevent them from taking initiative. A lot of procrastination is that it it is uh, it's ego protection masquerading as perfection, and yeah. and you know I think that uh, once you can get over that, once you realize that you know your mind is probably the largest impediment to you succeeding, uh, then you work on getting over it and you work on ignoring your mind when it's getting in the way. Yeah, I mean, like when it comes to the work that I do, like maybe three years ago, I would definitely, I would definitely hundred percent doubt myself. But now I've put so many reps in 
of I know whenever I, like example, if I'm writing an email or if I'm putting together some plan for how we're going to do something on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, like I know it's going to work. There's no hesitation. There's no doubt. My mind believes it. But when it comes to, and this literally just happened this morning, whenever I was at the gym, happens almost every single time I go to the gym. I'm like, oh man, am I even doing this right? Oh, other people are probably seeing me not doing it right. And I probably look like one of those stupid people you see like on TikTok or Instagram just doing the most ridiculous stuff ever. Or, oh yeah, if you're not doing this right, then why even bother? And this is literally something that goes through my mind, not every time, but almost every time I'm at the gym. And I just, I'm like, basically just chill. Like it's better that we're actually, we're walking, like uh, I've been averaging like 15,000 steps a day walking 15,000 steps a day whenever I'm at the gym. I'm like, we're literally sitting here getting a workout in. It's better than just being at the house or doing whatever you're doing with your time. So just chill. Everything's fine. Nobody's even looking at you. So that's something, and I'm telling people this in case there's any people that follow me and they maybe look up to me or something, which I appreciate looking up to me, but don't idolize me or deify any of us and realize even I'm working on things. So for me, it's whenever I go to the gym. I literally have that kind my mind is literally telling me like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. You probably look stupid. Why are you doing it like that? Probably you don't have the right forms. You're not going to get the actual like return on what you're doing. Why even bother? So even I am dealing with stuff like that. I mean, could you speak on that maybe for anybody that is dealing with that? Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think in order for me to be successful as an elite athlete, I had to be able to play in front of five, six, seven thousand people uh, in adversarial environments. And um one of the one of the narratives that I had to tell myself was you had to figure out a way to drown out the noise and ignore mm -hmm. people and messages that would get you off your game. And mm -hmm. so in order to be successful, you have to ignore a lot of people. And, and at the end of the day, they're not going to lose the weight that you're losing. Right. Your workout affects you. It affects nobody else. And if you don't work out, it also affects you. It affects nobody else. The older I get, the more I realize that nobody cares if you succeed. And sometimes more people probably want you to fail than succeed. And so because it, your success might threaten them. And so the more you can realize that, OK, I actually don't need this person's approval because this person doesn't even want me to do well. Why am I why am I consumed? with what someone thinks who doesn't even want me to succeed. Is this going to help me live the life that I want to live? And if you simply ask yourself, is this going to help me live the life that I want to live? You'll realize that caring about what other people think very, very rarely will result in an outcome that makes your life better. I would say that there's a small number of people where it's helpful to consider what they'll think because mm -hmm. you've evaluated their uh, their thinking skills, you trust yeah. them, you believe that they want what's best for you. But these aren't the people that you're worried about when you're at the gym. You're right. not worried about, you know, oh, if, would, would Alex think poorly of me if he saw this video of me on TikTok or with <laughs> Alexander Cortez? No, yeah. I'd be like, dude, oh, don't do that, do that. That's it. Like, yeah. You literally know. So your mind exactly. is latching on to people who you don't even know who mm may not even exist, or if they do exist, they don't care if you're fat, they don't care if you're skinny, and they probably prefer you to be fat anyway. So yeah. why are you allowing them to get in the way of you getting better? You shouldn't, and you don't. But these are the thought processes that 
uh, I go through with myself to think, does this, does this thought deserve to be in my head? No, probably not. Ignore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Focus on something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's actually a really good point that for anybody that's watching this, whether it's from a success standpoint, financially success standpoint, fitness wise, like, is the voice even real? Like, that was something you said, like, what, 30 seconds ago. You're like, is is that person even there? Is that voice even there? Like, so many of us go through the day, and it, as we as you gain more experience and wisdom and awareness, this isn't as much of an issue. Like, example, me versus me three years ago, four years ago. Like, I, I would run circles around that person. Like, I've got so much more control over my mind, experience, et cetera. But, like how many of the voices and the like limitations you put on yourself, are they even real? A lot of the time, example for me growing up, a lot of it was my stepmom. And then I found out as I was going through, like, I guess, getting older, maturing, it wasn't even her. It was just some fake idea of how I thought she perceived me. And then I realized like, I, I could go off on a tangent on this, but like, could you speak on that as well? Like, I know you're, you're, this is your show, but like, I keep asking you questions, but. Got to take no, that, advantage of this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. People's, uh, and, I, and I mentor entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Because if I've learned how to do something, I want to be very uh, giving with my advice. So I learn how to mm -hmm. lose fat very easily and eat delicious mm -hmm. food. I teach people how to do it because it's like very yeah. easy for me. Very, very easy yeah. for me. Um, and, you know, a girl that I'm mentoring, what, you know, we got her a $30,000 raise within like three months of working together. So wow. dopamine off the charts, things were going good. Uh, she started an online business, uh, like three, four, five, six months after we started working together, mm -hmm. you know, made her first thousand dollars in a month, like within a few months of that uh, in, in side hustle money. So yeah. doing great, but yeah. she kind of hit a wall and, uh, you know, it's kind of not really, you know, making 1500 a month, say a thousand a month, but it wasn't really growing. So it never turned into, anything meaningful, but she's only been doing it for like six months, eight months, you know? Yeah. And what I told her is that you need to figure out how to stay in the game. Tell yourself whatever you need to do to stay in the game. And you're experiencing this right now as an entrepreneur, but I tell myself on rainy days because people, people might not realize this, um, you know, seeing me put out content on a daily basis, but you know, about 50% of my business is dependent on product sales. And guess what? There's volatility in those product sales. Some days I'll sell a thousand dollars of products. Some days I'll sell closer to zero dollars worth of products. And like, like my copy just sucks because I change my copy all the time. So sometimes the copy just sucks and, you know, I didn't really get that many clicks and whatever, you know, but the reality is uh, the negativity, the bad days do weigh on people um, yeah. to, to where they'll think, well, what's the point? Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And if that's what they allow to influence their, their next steps, they're going to take themselves out of the game. The best things that happen, um, happen not by accident, but they're unplanned, right? They're a consequence of your planning, but you didn't expect the good thing to happen. And so, you know, you've been working hard for years trying to make it on your own and just randomly, you know, a few months ago, you started making a lot more money. And yeah. it wasn't because of something you did six months ago. Wasn't in, in at the beginning of the year, you probably didn't expect oh, no. this to happen, <laughs> right? You just yeah. put the work in. And mm -hmm. so what I tell people is you need to figure out a way to just stay in the game because yeah. 
the, the things that are going to take your business to the next level, you can't even predict a year before they happen, mm-hmm. but they can't happen if you take yourself out of the game. So you need to have a mindset of resilience, just like if you're doing some, some uh, distance running is it's painful. There are times where it's painful, but you know, you can do it. So tell yourself whatever it is you need to tell yourself to keep putting work in day after day. And if you keep doing it one day out of a hundred, something really lucky is going to happen. And you're going to be like, Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, bro. I mean, that's honestly, because people ask me like, Dylan, how can you stay like, why are you so determined? Why do you show up every day? Why do you, how can you do all these different things, whatever? And it's literally because I have so many, I guess I've built that pattern into my mind where I know if I just show up today, example, we're going to do this podcast together. I've already wrote some emails for clients. I did. I recorded some videos earlier for a new training module. I know if I just do that every single day and I just find something that I can is useful that will progress me, that something's going to happen. I, now, I, like you're saying, I, I like the way you put it. You can't predict it. That's another thing that's given me a sense of I guess, certainty or whatever you to call it, however you want to label it, is for years, I would like rewind back to like 2016, maybe to like 2018. I constantly thought that I could control every aspect and okay, I'm not seeing any results. Let me stop. And eventually, I, I guess just because I gave up, like I let go of this idea of trying to control everything and trying, because I would just see like, okay, example, I whenever I interned with Victor Pride, that happened because over the course of a couple of years leading up to that, I became known. I was a, I started as a commenter on his blog, and then I started my own blog, and then I started networking with a friend of his, and then I started affiliating for one of his friends, and I started making some decent money for his company through affiliate marketing, through two niche blogs that I had. And then coincidentally, I saw this video on Instagram where he was joking about needing a new intern. So I messaged that friend who happened to be a business partner of his who gave me a recommendation, which led to me interning with him. And I just kept, I was, I basically eventually was like, you know what, Dylan, instead of trying to control everything and getting anxious, just what can you do today that's going to progress it? Is it writing a couple blog posts? Is it writing some tweets? Is it making a video? Is it for the freelancers? Is it sending some DM, like five DMs today? That's all you have time for. Can you send five DMs? If you could do something like that every single day, you will get that result. And another little point that I want to add, you're talking about the the highs and the lows. That's something else that I've, I guess, matured into early, whenever I was like hundred percent financially independent as far as, and I guess dependent on myself uh, back since like 2019, that was when I started really like, I was like, okay, I can't do the nine to five world at all. I'm done doing the like self-employed lo- like local business type of thing. Cause I, I got back into the cleaning business and did Craigslist flipping, all that type of stuff. I hated that too. I wanted to travel the world. I was like, I have to figure out a way to like keep this going. And there's been a lot of lows. There's also been a lot of highs. Example, like this was two and a half weeks ago. It was one of those days where you wake up and you don't really feel like totally there mentally. You just kind of feel kind of slow that day. I looked at the cells from the day before for one of my clients that I was expecting a lot from. They didn't do as well as I wanted. Found out my mom was in the hospital and I, I was texting you. And then... Later that day, found out my grandfather is going to be passing. Uh, so it was just like one of those days where everything was happening. But instead of just me sitting in the bed and just eating and watching Netflix or whatever people do to like get out of their mind, I was like, you know what? My, this is happening with my mom. I'll take care of that. I'll, I'll face it whenever I can. My grandfather, that really sucks. 
God, like God willing, he'll have like six to 12 months. We'll get a, actually sometime this week, we'll know ex exactly how long he has, but I can't deal with that right now. I'm in a, I, moving that day. I'm going to be or going, getting on a train to go to another country. So I'm going to face everything I've got right in front of me. And then I'm going to stay in my routine. So I woke up, all that was happening. I went down to the cafe, got some work done for a client, the client of mine from the day before, sells ended up, fast forward to the next day because of me not giving up that day and me just staying on the grind and just staying in the game, as you would say. And I like that more than grind, staying in the game. I like that. Staying in the game. The next day, I got good news about my mom. She got taken off the ventilator. Amazing. My grandfather, still basically the same thing, but my, the client of mine who the day before sales weren't that good. We ended up having a record-breaking day and in my own business ended up crushing it that day as well. Why? Because I didn't give up. If I didn't put in the effort the day before, I would have gotten the result the next day. And so for anybody that's watching this, and we're all on different levels, if you're working a regular job, you're trying to find your way out, send DMs, send like five DMs a day to people that you think would be qualified to work with you. Or find like example back whenever I didn't know what to do, it was literally just learning. What can I learn that's kind of interesting to me? Can I actually apply it? And maybe you're applying it as sending, writing a blog post. Maybe it's uh, like, I don't know, whatever you're interested in. I'll just speak within my own personal bias. It would be sending some DMs to clients or putting together a spreadsheet of different skills that maybe you want to act on. Like you're like, uh, well, I'm naturally good at writing. I'm not really good at when it comes, like I'm not very analytical. Oh uh, yeah, web design. I, I I don't really know anything about programming. I don't want to do that. Oh, this writing thing. Okay, let me look into copywriting. Okay, what type of copywriting? Well, I don't really want to get into sales page or making sales pages. So what about writing tweets? What about writing emails? And you start any little thing. And I forgot the guy's name. Oh, Ed Milet. He said, if you just get 1% better every day, and I'm sure he got that from somebody else. But if you just get 1% better every single day over time, it's just gonna, you're going to exponentially get better. So before I go to rant, I mean, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I actually spoke to my high school baseball travel team uh, two nights ago, and I said yeah. exactly that, where you need to have, all you need to do is to try to get one, and this applies to everything, right? It applies to yeah. fitness, it applies to business, it applies to everything. Just get 1% better every week. You're yeah. not going to actually get 1% better every week, right? Because that's actually hard to get 1% better every week. You might get 1% better every month. But if you get 1% better every month, every month for 36 months, 48 months, you are unrecognizable at the end of that yeah. three or four year journey. And I think the commonality between you, between me, between uh, you know, almost anybody who's successful in our space is mm -hmm. our belief that we are working towards something, that it's our destiny to be free yeah. and to be successful. And we're going to do whatever we need to do to get there. And we're not going to quit. And nobody's right. going to save us if we fail. I think all of those three, all those things, everybody has in common. This is my destiny. Nobody's going to save me if I fail. I'll do whatever I need to do to make it work. Mm -hmm. Guess what? It ends up working like two out of three <laughs> times. And when it, and, and, and if it doesn't work, right, because people succeed, you know, or people mm -hmm. fail, that mindset, well, okay, but I'm just going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try it again. And yeah. eventually you succeed. If you keep trying, eventually you succeed. If you quit, mm -hmm. you will never succeed. Bro, that takes me back to, what is this, 
20, yeah, 2017, I finally realized because I hit this point where I was, I'd come back from Los Angeles. I was interning, had like $142 left. And then I ended up paying a bill, eating some lunch that went to like nothing. And I realized, I was like, you know what, Dilly, as long as you just don't give up, like, how are you going to be a loser? Because I, I had in my mind, I was like, how do all these people respect you that you look up to, like Ed Lattimore, Ajax, Victor Pride, Sertovich? How do these people like respect you? This is once again like 2017, but yet you're sitting here broke. Like obviously they see something in you that you right. haven't realized yet. And so I real I made a pact with myself. I was like, under no circumstance will I give up. And it wasn't okay. Magically everything worked out. No, for like another couple of years it was. A massive struggle, like every, like every day trying to figure something out. There are periods where I was completely broke. There are periods where I'd make a little bit of money. I'd get this random opportunity and then it would fall through. And then I'll get this other opportunity, which would take me through for a couple of months. It was a bunch of ups and downs, but I never gave up. And for anybody that's watching this, if you feel like oh, nothing's working out, it eventually will. Like you were saying, two out of three times, we will get what we're going after. And that's because we don't give up. Like for me, I see it as my destiny to become like the basically example to my family of what you can achieve because my family, they've had some have had success. Most of them, not as much. I, so I would be the first person in my family that becomes a multi multi-millionaire has a good, fa like a strong family unit. I'm in great shape and I can basically just be a beacon of light to my family. And then all the people outside of that, obviously. And so I see it as my duty to make myself a success to be able to take care of my friends, take care of the family, anybody that is on the team, and we all rise up together. And for the person that's watching this, you could do the same thing. But not if you, as long as you just don't quit, you will get what you're going after. So if right now, if you're in a low moment or if in a couple of days, because ebbs and flows, you're going to go through a down, a low moment, just don't give up. Don't give up, and you're not going to lose. You're not going to be a loser because you're only going to be a loser if you just. Oh, yeah, you know, it's not for me. I'll just leave all the winning to Alex and Dylan putting in the putting in the towel. OK, then you're a loser because you quit. Just don't quit and you will eventually win. But yeah, I mean, that's I'm a big supporter of just delusional self-confidence and believing that if I just do not stop, eventually things will work out. I mean, that's a great message, John. And this has been yeah. a great uh, first episode sure. of Alex's Asylum. So thank you for being the guest. Let the viewers know if they're coming to... Mm -hmm. Coming to the podcast through me, um, yep. what's the best way to learn more from Dylan, to get in touch with Dylan? How do I learn mm -hmm. more about Dylan Madden? So the best place is just follow me on Twitter at MoneyBagLives, or if you ever go to YouTube, type in Dylan Madden, and those are the two best places to find me. Okay, make sure you give Dylan a follow if you haven't already. He's a very, very bright person, as you could tell from this episode. Um, thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll have another great one up shortly.